Luke 6.23. We're doing our study on, on the cross and the life of a believer. I would say we've still got three or four weeks or so to go in this study. And I want you to read this scripture with me. Luke 6.23. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. He's talking about rejoicing the Lord Jesus. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Luke's account of rejoicing when we're persecuted. Rejoicing when things are not going well. When we're hated for Jesus' sake. We're hated for the testimony of the Lord and so forth. And there's really something to be said for that rejoicing in the Lord. He just, he just says rejoice greatly in that day. We didn't read what preceded it. It's when he says when you're hated, when all men shall hate you for my name's sake. Okay? And he says rejoice greatly. And it's so out of step. It's so different than the way that our human nature is. We rejoice when our team wins. We rejoice when we hit the lottery or something. You know, when something great uh, or we think that it's great happens to us. But he's saying, the Lord is saying, rejoice when you're hated for my sake. And this is, this is the cross coming into play. This is the cross of the Lord coming into the life of the believer. The cross is a place of death. It's an instrument of death. And so, um, this is not a morbid study on just down and depressing and death all the time. It is out of the death to self that the life of Christ springs up. Okay, so we, we know that. We've very, uh, been very repetitive on that. But I actually ended last week's lesson the way I'm going to begin this Wednesday night. And, and it was, I think it's such a great point. We must not think of the cross as something compulsory or unavoidable, such as a misfortune or infirmity or calamity. In other words, it's just one of those, the cross and dying to myself is just one of those uh, horrible things that by, by time to time or by chance happens to people and just bite the bullet, just suck it up, just grit your teeth and bear it and go. That's not the picture that's given in the scriptures. We all have things where, you know, you break a bone and the doctor says, I'm going to set, I'm going to set this, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt for a few minutes, okay? And you just got to bear it. Now, I know the Lord, we're believers. God would help us even in those moments. But the cross is not something. Just grit your teeth and bear it. In other words, I wish it could be different. I wish this could be avoided in some way. This is just one of those misfortunes of life that we all have to go through. The cross of the Lord is not that. It is an instrument that brings death to ourself. But what I see in the scriptures is that there needs to be an, a willful and joyful acceptance of it. We're not insane and we just want to go die. It's, it's a joyful acceptance that this is the will of the Lord. This is for my benefit. This in the end is going to have fruit that comes from it. Just like it says in, in Hebrews chapter 12 about no chastening for the for the moment, seems to be pleasurable but grievous. No punishment when you're being punished is fun. You don't look forward to it. But 
in God's eyes and in his word in, in Hebrews 12, he says, but afterwards it brings forth, you know, the fruit of holiness and the fruit of righteousness in them that are exercised thereby in those that allow the Lord to chasten them, to correct them. I, I liken it to that. There has to be a, a willful acceptance of the cross and not just, you know, avoiding it at all costs or just a resignation, but we really almost like we were just beat and okay, God, whatever. Just do take all the fun out of my life. Put me through the ringer, you know, uh, like God's going to abuse us or something. It, it needs to be uh, there needs to be a surrender of our, of our will. God will help with the joy part of it. But, but there has to be a surrender of our will where we're actually agreeing with God and saying, yes, Lord. In my heart of hearts, I'm saying, yes, Lord, I resign. Even Jesus in the garden. I know we go through it all the time because I can't think of a better example. When, when he's in the garden the night before he was going to be, uh, he'd be crucified the next day and arrested that night, in just a matter of moments, we know he's saying, Lord, if it's, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But I always say there's not a period there. There's a semicolon, I think. He says, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou, thou will. There was a resignation to it, but it wasn't. Uh, there was a yes or an amen, I guess you would say, in Jesus' heart. Did he think it was going to be fun? No. Did he think that was what was on the backside of it was going to be worth it? Yes, he did. And that's what the Bible says that. Uh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. So he saw that joy before he went to the cross. And it's worth it. It needs to be worth it to us. Do we enjoy dying to ourselves or having God humble us because we're prideful? No, we don't enjoy it. Those things sting. They sting. Sometimes he uses another believer to come and rebuke us or correct us or something like that. That in and of itself, just in the circumstance, is not joyful. But we're not just in the circumstance. We're in the hands of God. And we have the ability by faith to see what His Word says and to see the hand of God at work in our lives. This is going to make me more like Jesus. Therefore, I say amen to it. The, the dentist pulling out this, this rotten tooth is not going to be fun. But... It's a lot better than staying with the rotten tooth that spreads to my jaw and maybe to my brain. The infection. You know what I'm saying? Pull the tooth. I don't think it's going to be fun, but I'm saying hallelujah. I found a good dentist who can pull my tooth out because he's going to get it out. In a few days, I'll start feeling better and all this will be behind me. In one sense, it's like that. We see what's ahead. And so there, there are occasions in our life where where God deals with us. Maybe, what if you have, uh, uh, this would be a common one, a physical limitation. You're sick, or you have some chronic type of injury or sickness, or uh, you're just getting older and you can't do the things that you used to do. Clarissa's saying amen back there. Hey, Clarissa, I'm saying amen up here. You can't do the things that you used to and you can't seem to get past it 
And yet God would say, you know what? Embrace that, so to speak, as, and let me do what I want to do through that. Amen. Can God heal? Yes, He can heal. We pray for healing. Don't stop praying for healing unless God shows you to stop praying for that particular healing. The point is that still, that weakness, that limitation, I'm just using physical for, for the example. Paul said, now I want, to, I want to read this. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12. Verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan above at me, lest I should be exalted above measure. We've, this is a familiar passage. Paul had some type of physical ailment, infirmity, and it was given to him, he says. It was given to him at some point in his life. He didn't have it all of his life, but at some point in his life as a believer, being used greatly by God, probably like very few that ever walked this planet have been used by God. He says that there was a thorn in his flesh that came to him that God gave. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My, I'm sorry. My, yes. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in the in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Pleasure. Not just, I'll grip my teeth and bear it. He had the insight from the Lord. It's very kind of the Lord to give him the insight. In other words, to let him see behind the scenes. Paul, look, this is why I haven't healed you. Paul had been used to heal other people. The Lord had healed through him, cast out devils through him, raised the dead through him. He himself had been uh, healed after being stoned and left for dead and God raised him back up. But in this thing, God let him see Paul did. This is for a greater purpose, for a greater glory. When he when Paul saw that, he didn't say, OK, God, do whatever you got to do. I'll hate it. But this is just one of these things. I'm whipped. I'm beat. I don't have a choice anyway. You're God. I'm not. So you're going to do it anyway. That's not his, his attitude. My attitude has been that way sometimes. It's like I can't get out of it anyway, so do whatever you're going to do, God. That's not the one that brings in glory. There's not a rejoicing in that. The rejoicing is, he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution. Nobody takes pleasures in those things other than a child of God walking by faith. In distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Have you ever been, I'll give another example besides physical weakness or sickness. you ever been misrepresented? In other words, you're, you're a Christian. You're serving God in a certain situation or circumstance. You did what was right. You did the hard thing and did what was right. And the Bible talks about your good is being evil spoken of. Lord, you did just what you were supposed to, to do. You took the, the blow, so to speak, and people are bad-mouthing you as though you did something wrong. Your good is being evil spoken of. Again, the Bible says rejoice. Luke 6.23, leap for joy. 
And before we can leave for joy and rejoice, you know what we have to do? We've got to stretch out our hands and let Him nail us to the cross. And we're not going to rejoice. And just stretch out both hands and He's saying, right here, I want you to die a little bit more. You don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to run around and try to make everybody think the right thing about you. You know that you can't do that anyway. Sometimes God gives us an opportunity with an individual or, or you know, He does allow or afford the, those opportunities. But for the most part, we just have to commit like the Lord Jesus who committed Himself to Him who judges righteously, says in 1 Peter, and let Him handle it. And before we can rejoice, though, we've got to look at it. This is a place, oh, I see, Lord. This is something you want me to die to myself, to my reputation, to whatever. A little bit more. I've got to stretch out my hands and say, Lord, I might not enjoy it, but I know you're a good God. And I'm going I'm to stretch out my hands. I'm going to agree with you and say a hearty amen in my heart. Lord, do what you have to do. That's another example. There was a pastor. Uh, actually, wasn't, he was a minister. He wasn't the pastor of the church. And the Lord called him to a deeper walk with the Lord. And he, God called him out of the church he was in. He was in a very, what you would call, liberal type church, liberal theology and so forth. And God was saying, no, this is not what I have for you. I have this church, you know, they're serious about God and serious about the Word, and I want to put you there. And he was totally blasted as by the, everyone around him as thinking that he was holier than thou. You just think you're so holy and you're so much better than us. He didn't answer a word. He didn't answer a word. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't offer up a defense. He turned away without answering a word. And, and he, he testifies that the spirit of glory illuminated this truth to him. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. 1 Peter 4.14, he was happy beyond words. These are simple things, but these are real life things. These are real life things. And we, we go through these things. And... We have to learn to die daily. That's kind of been our theme for about the last three weeks in this study, is to not the one-time cross only. We have a one-time cross in the sense that we give our life to Jesus. We're born again at that moment. We give our life to Jesus. We, we are washed in the blood. And, but then there's <clears throat> the daily cross and the daily dying. Amen? The daily dying. Let's look at this passage. If you're still in 2 Corinthians, look at chapter 4. Second Corinthians four, verse ten. Paul says this: sometimes bearing about. No, that's not what he says. He's always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord. So for us to think that the cross is just that—that that was that one-time historic thing. It was that, but in addition to the historic one-time thing, there is the the cross. For the daily working in the life of the believer. It has a place in, in the God's plan to work in the, the lives of those that he has redeemed daily. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. It's almost a weird statement. 
that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So in our body, we're daily getting sort of knocked down or experiencing death in some some way. Could be reputation like we've shared. Could be the Lord uh, dealing with some sin. Could be um, the Lord dealing with self-will. There's so many things He's dealing with, but it's daily. Always bearing about the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? There's a reason we have to see it. Paul saw it. That the life also of Jesus. Oh, okay, I see it now. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. So this is the big picture. There was uh, a, uh, an account given, and I am not the historian. Some of you may know it better than I do. But Dr. J.G. Fleming tells this account of the Boxer Uprising in China. The Boxers captured a mission school and blocked all the gates but one. They placed a cross before that one that they didn't block. And they sent in word to all the people in the mission school that any student who trampled on the cross would be allowed to go free. The first seven, we're told, trampled on the cross. The first students in the missionary school, hey, if we're going to get to go free, guess it's what we got to do. And they trampled on the cross. They were allowed to go free. The eighth student, a little girl, knelt before the cross and was shot. All the rest in a line of a hundred students followed her example. We could just stop right here, but the cross has a place. We have to die to ourselves. And what I also gather from this is that our living for God in such a way, what I would say, what's called extreme, it's really not, it's just the the nature of the call, right? Has a profound influence upon people around us. If you just take the easy road, you're a Christian, but every time the, you could get, you have to go through something very difficult and you have a choice in the matter, and every time we choose the easy path, then we're missing an opportunity to, to experience that joy of the Lord in His suffering. We're missing that opportunity to die a little more that the life of Christ may be manifested in us. We're also giving a a testimony or witness, good or bad, that would be bad, for the Lord and and others follow oftentimes. This little girl, the first seven, they were let go free. The eighth, the little girl, she knelt down and said, I'm not going to trample on the cross. And she got shot. The rest of the hundred students, that would be 92, I guess, if there were a hundred total, followed her example. And we'll meet him in heaven one day. This isn't a fairy tale. This is real accounts. In order to avoid pain, a lot of times, or disgrace, or humiliation sometimes, we can, quote, trample on the cross. Crowd of people making fun. We just kind of hide our candle and our light under the bushel. Go with it for a few minutes. It'll be over in a few minutes. Don't make any waves. We've all done it before. But you know what I pray y'all? I pray we all don't do it as a practice. 
Or we learn from that. We repent and we go on and we grow. And we set that example for each other. I've done it before. But I don't want to live that way. And so people think like these first seven students. Well, I'll go free if I do this. If I trample on the cross. But that's really a false freedom, isn't it? That wasn't a real freedom. Their life might have been spared another five minutes and not have, might have been spared another 50 years. I don't know. But it really wasn't their freedom. Their freedom comes in surrender to Jesus. And the sooner we learn it, these little kids learn it, these children learn it, that's where the real freedom comes. We're not, as I say it all, I've been saying the last few weeks, we don't go out looking for trouble. We don't go out looking to abuse ourselves and say, look how I'm suffering for the Lord. We walk with God. When an opportunity arises, see it for what it is. Am I going to trample on the cross? Or am I going to carry my cross and follow the Lord? The Bible says in Galatians 5, 1, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Now that's the real liberty. Not the one that the first seven students found. Sneaking out the back door because some tyrants let him go for denying the Lord. I'd rather have the liberty that he offers. Amen? And what he gives. I'm talking about a couple more things. There was a, there was a boy scene uh, walking home after martyrs were being burned at the stake in Smithfield. The boy was returning home after watching this and someone said to him, my, my boy, why were you there? Why did you go witness martyrs being burned at the stake? Like a true follower of the Lamb, he replied, I want to learn... I want to learn the way. Most people don't want to learn that way, do they? Jesus went that way. The disciple's not above his master, no, no the servant above his Lord. Jesus went that way. He didn't try to get out of it. He didn't take the easy path. He took the cross. The little boy says, I want, I want to learn the way. And by the way, it has nothing to do with age. You think a little child can't comprehend it or can't make such a commitment? They can. A little child can make such a commitment. That's a miracle of all miracles, but they can. God can do it. God can do it in their hearts. God can do it in their faith and, and bring them to that place. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, a great person called Bloody Mary because all the Christians that she persecuted and had put to death. She had forbidden the proclamation of the simple gospel, just the simple gospel. Lawrence Sanders was con constrained to obey God rather than man, man. When sentenced to death before the Lord Chancellor, Sanders answered, Welcome be it, whatever the will of God shall be, either life or death. I tell you truly, I've learned to die. Taking the stake to which he would be chained and burned, he kissed it, saying, Welcome the cross of Christ. Welcome everlasting life. And again, we look at such martyr's death and we get teary-eyed. I do. It also is very convicting to me. And we think almost like that's almost like another race of people. They're so far from Christianity of today 
they're so far of who I am and what I am in Christ, and yet I can almost say shame on me. I shouldn't look at it that way. They're not, they're not supposed to be far from what I am. I shouldn't look at them as being another race. I'm of the same race. I'm born of the Spirit of God. I'm washed in the blood of Jesus. They weren't superhumans. This wasn't Superman and Batman and some superhero. This was, these were believers. These were people that were born farmers and, and school teachers and you know what I'm saying? Factory workers and people that were born of the Spirit of God. And they're going to the stake and embracing the stake that was set before them, choosing rather to die for the Lord. Like Moses, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the, the pleasures of, season, of sin for a season. That we, sh- we shouldn't look at them as being some other thing than what we are and say it's unattainable. We shouldn't think that. I, I, I believe we should say that is my heritage. That is my calling. And I want to be like that. I want to be like Jesus. He might not call one person in this room to that kind of end of life or death. He might call every one of us to that. But I promise you, he'll give, it, he'll give us the strength at that time. And he's preparing us and strengthening us now. The crucified Lord must have crucified followers. When we glory in the cross of our salvation, we also need to glory in the cross of our self-crucifixion, dying daily to ourselves. We should, we should not think that there's a cross for Jesus, but not a cross for us. He died once for sins. I could never do that. But if I come to him, the crucified one, that's who I'm coming to. And crucifixion is going to be all in that. Death to self. Okay? Death to self. When we first came to Jesus, we came because of the work on the cross. We came because he died and rose again. And in his death, he paid for the sins of the world. He died in my place. He shed his blood. And I come and I'm washed in that same blood and forgiven. But also, after that daily, we're to be identified with the Lord, bearing his reproach outside the camp, says in Hebrews, in a, in a daily dying to, to ourselves that Christ's life may be manifest in us. Amen? And so, our new master is the crucified one. And a lot of times, again, we might begin to to fail, thinking that the cross is only a historical event, and yet we're to abide in Christ, the crucified one. We're to abide in that. There is a fellowship with the Lord, we say it all the time, that is experienced only in suffering. We don't go out looking to suffer, but we sure shouldn't run from it when God sets it before us. When He sets it before us. And so the offense of the cross has not ceased. People are still offended in the cross. And all who desire, says in 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus 
You know the rest of that verse? Will or shall suffer persecution. Every word is very simple and straightforward. All who live godly desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, period. If we're in Christ Jesus and we don't desire to live godly, we need to repent. Like the church in Corinth. And praise God, you know what? The church of Corinth, it'd be easy to bash them. All their worldliness and carnality and their drunkenness at the Lord's Supper. And we say, wow, what a wild bunch of ungodly riffraff, you know? But they were believers. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit were at work in their lives. But they were sinning. And when Paul rebuked them, they repented. And by the time we get to 2 Corinthians, the things he dealt with them about that were wrong, they had, by the grace of God, corrected and repented. Praise God, right? It's not just the Corinthians, it's all of us. But all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The, the moment uh, we begin to live Christ-like, godly, we, we come to a scripture like Philippians 2 where it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind, let this mind be in you. It's not just what we think of a mind as the mental capacity. It includes that. In, in, the, in the context of what it's talking about, you could say, let this will be in you, this purpose, this heart fix. You know, it includes all of that, not just the mental thoughts. Let this mind, this will, be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so we're not left to guess what that is. The scriptures tell us what kind of mind was in him. Well, he emptied him of himself, though he was God. He emptied himself and he took on him the form of a servant and he humbled himself. I say it all the time. It's one thing if somebody else comes along and humbles you, because they're stronger than you, faster than you, better than you, smarter than you, sing better than you, whatever better than you, and they humbled you and put you in your place because you were boasting of, of yourself. But when it's another thing to voluntarily humble yourself, empty yourself, and to surrender uh, to the Lord. But he humbled himself, and we know the scripture, he became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. So when you set your hand to the plow, not just when you say I do to Jesus for salvation, but when you say I want to go on and be a disciple of Christ, which every believer is called to be, and you say I'm going to walk this road by the grace of God, I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we do that, then we're going to see the working of the Lord in our lives to bring death. And it's and we're going to have to let that mind be in us. Amen? By the will of God. And there was a, a man named Charles Simeon who was a, preach, a Cambridge preacher. And he says he was poured out again and again into the mold of the cross. And just, the Lord just kept pouring him out unto death, so to speak. And he, he shares... Uh, he had been persecuted greatly in his own life. He says right here, I'm quoting a, a little uh, account from his life. I, in his own words, I strolled forth one day, buffeted 
and afflicted with my little Bible in my hand. I prayed earnestly that an op- and upon opening the book, I might find some text which would sustain me. The first text which caught my eye was this. Now he's quoting from the Bible. He opens his Bible. He needed some strength for the day. He's being persecuted, being buffeted. This is what he read. They found a man of Cyrene, Simeon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. That's what he read when he opens his Bible. That was God's comfort. You say, how does that comfort? It's a comfort. We're bearing the Lord's cross. He said, what a blessed instruction that was for him and encouragement. He said, have the cross laid upon me that I might bear it after Jesus. What a privilege. It was enough now. I could leap and sing for joy. Just that. I could leap and sing for joy as one whom Jesus was honoring honoring with a participation in his suffering. And when I read that, I said, Lord, lay it on me. Lay it on me. I will gladly bear the cross for thy sake. And I henceforth bound persecution as a wreath of glory round my brow. I'm actually going to close right here. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. quote this scripture and I just thought it would be appropriate to close with here. Again, y'all, we, we have to be biblical. We have to be balanced. People can get out of balance. If this is the only thing we talk about day and night, day and night, day and night, forever, it, it, could, it could produce uh, an out of balance type of life or mindset. We have to keep putting in it This is what the Bible teaches. For it to be a disciple. To be saved is a free gift. We can't add to it. We're saved by grace through faith. Then in that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Right? Not of works lest any man should boast. But beyond salvation, there is a disciple. And everyone that first got saved, everyone is called to be a disciple or a follower of the Lord. In order to follow the Lord and become a good disciple and a true disciple and what he's called and ordained for every one of us, we all have to take up our cross, deny ourselves, follow after the Lord. In that comes rejoicing like this, this minister I just spoke of. Like so many that I've spoken of tonight. Like Amy Carmichael, every time we talk about her and the people in that ministry that were set free. And, and there, we have to see the big picture. Again, Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And in that passage in Hebrews 12, there's the admonition to us. It's in context with him saying, you look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Remember, he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. You endure the cross for the joy that's set before you is basically what he's saying. So in in Galatians 6.14, and we're going to close. D, you can come on up. Paul says this, and closing this epistle basically, but God forbid that I should glory, and I should glory, save in or accept in what? The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he doesn't just say the cross by which 
he died upon, which he did. We know Paul knows that cross as well. Amen. We have to know that one. But he says, the saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to glory in that one. I will. That's the only thing I will. By whom the world is crucified unto me. That's a death, right? The world's crucified unto me and I unto the world. How does that? By the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is biblical. This isn't, this isn't uh, somebody taking uh, a teaching and perverting it and blowing it way out of proportion and building something. This is scripture after scripture after scripture. The teaching of dying to ourselves. Amen. Again, I guess if I was to close with one thing, and, and uh, D, you can begin to play even now, that, that we are to die to ourselves so that Christ can live in us, and it needs to be by faith. It needs to be a willing, yes, I consent to this. I willingly consent. It's not just God, I guess you're going to do it anyway, and you're stronger than me. Beat me up. Do whatever you got to do. It's no, Lord, by faith, I'm putting, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to go through this adversity. I'm going to embrace this trial. I'm going to embrace the persecution or the laughter or the rejection for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. Y'all stay with me tonight.